All right, hello everybody. Welcome to this edition of Coffee Time with Byron. A long, hey, long time trying to get this going, but hey, we finally got it started. But welcome to episode number six, no, 76. I believe, I've, I've done too many. I'm sorry, I can't count right now. But anywho, alongside me is former NFL, NFL guard, right? Played guard. I'm hoping I got that right. <laughs> well, last year I played guard. The first ten I played tackle. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right too. Greg Cook. Very good. Because I had it, I had it wrong the first time when we first started talking. So I'm glad I got well, it right this time. My name is Phil Koch. So there's the Koch brothers, very wealthy individuals. There's Mayor Koch. And then there's a punter for Baltimore, who's Sam Cook, who spells it yes. K-O-C-H as well. Yes. So. And that, that's where at first I thought you guys were related, but I was like, I don't think so. Looking you guys up, it's like, nope. There's, no, there's no kicker DNA in this body. I, don't, I would not allow that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very glad to have you. I'm glad you were able to do this and spend time out of your time after an hour of trying. But, hey, we finally got it. So that works. <laughs> So let's get started. Um, I know you're current still. You still follow the spurt sports. So I got to ask you about your Packers that you played the most for. Uh, what happens with Aaron Rodgers next? Do you think he stays? I don't think he stays. I think uh, a lot of things that seem like bad blood between the two sides was actual overflow of what happened last year. I kind of can see both sides' parts, you know. Basically, the Packers looking at Aaron Rodgers saying, we're paying you $37 million, but you are still just an employee. You're not running things around here. Yeah. And then I can understand Aaron saying, look, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, it's with my right arm, and maybe you should talk to me if you're going to draft a quarterback and not a first wide receiver in the first round or another offensive lineman to keep defensive linemen off of me. So I can see both of their arguments. But in the end, it's just hard for me to comprehend. And someone making 37. No, yeah, I agree with you. And what about his um, sidekick, uh, Devontae? Do you see him going anywhere if uh, Rogers stays? Because I know those two have a, a connection. Because he said it – If he, I think he said it already. If Rogers leaves, he leaves. So – you you see that happening, or do you see if the Packers want to keep him, he'll stay if they offer him the right amount of moolah, shall I say, to stay? Well, I mean, that's unfortunately what the game has come down to. It's just a game of money. Who's making it? It was always a game of money, but now it's much more so than it ever was. Uh, you just didn't have players calling out their teams. and Of course, we had no free agency when I played. Right. So... You know, you were pretty much, if you didn't like the team, you were stuck there. And if you loved the team, it was great. So, I mean, unfortunately, I loved the playing in Green Bay. It was a wonderful experience. But, no, I did. do I see uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers together after this season? No. Do I see him and Devontae Adams together after this season? No. Because they'll get their own deals. They'll make their own way. And then they'll have to show that each one was as good solo as they were together. Because Aaron Rodgers really made Devontae. I mean, he yeah, saw him yeah. the other night. You're he right. targeted him 
first 10 at the targets, I think, were Devontae Adams. Yeah, he did. He made Devontae because he, he's thrown him the most. He's the one he trusted the most throughout his time in that Devontae was at least drafted by by the Packers. So hopefully he stays. Hopefully not. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But now well, you know, good things can good things can happen. Look at Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I'm, really not a, I'm not a big Kirk Cousins fan, but Josh Allen. I'm a huge Josh Allen fan, and I mean that guy just Diggs was really good with Cousins, but he had Thielen and he had some other guys. Yeah, I mean he's become a superstar in, in Buffalo. Yeah, he has. You're right, and that's helped him a lot with getting through that uh, plateau and helping him get to the playoffs at least and. Almost, uh, almost to the Super Bowl. I mean, if it wasn't for Mahomes that one year, he would have been in the Super Bowl. And then I think this year, this year, if it wasn't for, I think, I think the Bengals stopped them. You know, then you know they'd be in it. So yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how. And I gotta say, do you think that's why too the Packers have not advanced further? Than past the NFC Championship or division is because it just depends on how hot the teams are coming in. Well, see, I think that's funny you said that because we were talking about that the other day. Is this the point where Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, play their little political game? Because it's all politics too, you know. It's how, right. uh, how good right. they look to the fans. Right. Let's say that hey, who's going to ask the first question that Aaron Rodgers can't win the big game? Yeah. One Super Bowl in 12 years of starting, I mean, most Hall of Famers, you know, they like to have one or two, if not three, Peyton Manning, seven, Tom Brady, you know. Uh, uh, but I don't think there's anybody that can doubt that Aaron Rodgers one of the best quarterbacks that ever played. And look at Favre. Before him, he only had one Super Bowl. Look what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what people, you try to make them understand just how hard it is to go to a Super Bowl. And teams that go now, you think, oh, well, they'll go next year as well. Well, the way players move around now, I mean, and just like this transfer portal in college, you can't hardly keep up with the players or the names because they're changing daily. Right. And that's going to continue to happen with the, with the NFL as well. I mean, either you lose key members of that team, and sometimes the key member of that team and somebody that you're really familiar with. It's a, it could be a, a left guard or it could be a left tackle. Like that guy kind of held the whole line together. That guy was the toughness the whole line looked to, trying to emulate. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not the guys that you see up top the superstars. It's the guys behind the scenes that are doing all the dirty work. So let's get into it with your career a little bit, shall we? You were drafted... Uh, second round pick 39 out of Arkansas in the 77 draft. Did you think you were going to go higher or did you know exactly where you were going to go in the draft? Well, the funny thing is, is that my best friend in high school, we decided, we looked around, he wanted to go to Nebraska and I wanted to go to Oklahoma because we had a lot of people from our high school go to the University of Texas and we kind of wanted to break the chain. Mm Mm-hmm. But when we went to Arkansas, it was, uh, I think there was a little snow. And at that time, the head coach was Frank Burles. People aren't going to believe it. People never believe this when I tell them. Our offensive coordinator was Joe Gibbs, and our defense coordinator was Jimmy Johnson. 
So we decided we liked Arkansas and both decided to go there. And the funny thing is, we both went there, started in four years and got drafted. He went number 37, I went number 39 in the draft. Wow. So you, you guys totally wanted to go somewhere different. Well, did you know though? Who told you though? Did the team tell you or what? What? How did that process go back then? Because obviously it was a different draft process than it is today. Oh, yeah, I mean, my dad had to go down to the Adams, but Adams Petroleum Building, who was showing it live. Other than that, you could, you know, you had to go to a special place showing the draft live. Like you sat in your apartment and waited for phone calls. Mm-hmm. And R.C. R.C. Tillman, who is a guard for the Falcons and for the Redskins, he was my best friend. Still is my best friend. Uh, he got the first call, and the guy said, "Tell Greg it won't be very long." So evidently they're talking among each other. And the next thing I know, the phone rings, and it's Don Shula. <laughs> and Shula says, "Hey, he says, uh, we're going to take your next pick, and we got to get you down to Miami for a press conference." And then he goes, "Oh, blank!" I mean, just yelled, and he goes. I go, what? He goes, Packers just took you. Hung up. Didn't, didn't say good luck. Didn't say, you know, man, I'm sorry we missed on it. I mean, he was already thinking to the next guy who's going to draft. And so, yeah, hung up on me. And then the phone rang. I was Bart Starr. And that's kind of how my career got started. I went from the south shores of Miami to the Igloos of Green Bay. And I'm telling you, when people <laughs> tell you that guys don't sit around and talk before a draft where they don't want to go, there's three three places. Buffalo, Cleveland, and Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Those guys do not want to go there. Well, Green Bay, at least Buffalo and Cleveland are cities. Green Bay is a town of about 120,000 people. Right, yeah, it's small. Yeah, and owned by the people. Yeah, but that's kind of a misnomer. I mean, the people put up money for stock that doesn't pay dividends. Or anything. It's a non-for-profit corporation, so if the team ever folds up, all that money goes to the American Legion. Yeah. yeah. The, good thing, the good thing about the Packers is, is because they're a nonprofit, they have to put in the paper what they make every year. And, you know, NFL owners do not like putting in the paper what they make because Jerry Jones doesn't want the, the people no, in yeah. Buffalo. Right. Or, me. Right. And so I think the Packers, after everything last year for a nonprofit, after everything was paid, said and done, they made I think forty one million dollars. That's that's crazy. That's hard to believe. Whew. I, whew. So, like you said, you got to play with Bart Starr, who was one of. I mean, didn't play with him. He was my head coach. Oh, he was. He was your coach. Okay, so he didn't play when you did. No, I'm not that old. I'm old. But I'm not that old. Ah, okay, I got you. Okay, there you go. So who was your quarterback? No, quarterback was Lynn Dickey. Ah, Lynn Dickey. You see that? See, I would have never known that because I've only known three quarterbacks because that's all Green Bay ever has had since I've been well since I've been around in. Yeah, yeah. Mazowski was the end, and then it was at the end of his career. Then Favre. And now Rodgers. The only three. He hurt his and went back in the game. <laughs> and that's what happens when you got a superstar behind him, which is one reason why I didn't think Aaron should be so upset because, you know, they drafted him when they had Farm and really groomed him for three years yeah. to be the star. Right. And they, they had the opportunity to do that. So, but yeah, it is somewhat disappointing to have. 
20 some odd years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking and you know, only two Super Bowls to show for it. Yeah, exactly right. It's a shame. And I know Green Bay fans, even yourself as alum, have to be upset about that. Only two Super Bowls in, in like you said, the last 30, 40 years. I mean, you, you guys. I had a prophetic going this year. Without a doubt, they were going this year. And especially when they opened up against San Francisco and just marched right down the field. I go, this team's in yeah. 10. You know, it's going to be them in Kansas City. That's, that's how much I knew about football. It's going to be Green Bay and Kansas City all the way. And neither one of those teams are in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Of course, I don't think, I don't think anybody would have picked the teams in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't have, no. Maybe the Rams, but not the 49ers. No, I know. I wouldn't have picked that either. So your position, you said you you played you played center as well, but you were also guard. Um, no, tackle. Played tackle, tackle. Sorry, tackle, and then you played guard. What, what, what would you say was the most difficult part of your job, would you say? Because you, you were in the era where the, def- or the defensive linemen weren't like today, where they're more – where they're more, you know, muscular, more toned than what they were back then. Uh, how difficult was it to play that position in your era? Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me was when I came out of Arkansas, we ran the veer, which was like most colleges back then, threw very little and ran the ball a lot. So the biggest thing the offensive linemen had to discover was the intricacies of pass blocking. I mean, you know, to come off the line to be out there on an island with that defensive end, most of those guys are unbelievable athletes. Mm-hmm. And be able to stop those guys and have the footwork. I was very proud that I was able to do that for a long time. Now, they move you in the guard. There's a lot of big bodies in there jostling around. You take much smaller steps. But you got a lot of big people you got to move, too, when it comes to the run. So run blocking is probably harder for an offensive guard just because of the size and girth of these guys now. But pass blocking is definitely much harder as an offensive tackle. So what, what what defenses did you have trouble with? Who did you have the most fits that you had going up against? Who 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 gave you a problem? What were some of the names? When I was younger, yeah, it was Jack Youngblood. And then uh, I never really had a bad game against him, but I wouldn't want to play him every day as Mark Gaston. No, that guy could rush the faster. He six five two seventy five and could run like a four seven forty. And at the end of my career, it was Howie Long. Because and the, and the three things I name about all those guys that don't fit doesn't fit what you to describe the defense lineman. These guys are all in tremendous shape. Right. Yeah. I mean, most most two great ones are in tremendous shape. Now I admit there's some offensive linemen. I don't know how they carry those bellies around and play a three hour game. I mean, I would be out of way so fast. But that's just you know, people are different. They're bigger now. They they eat better. They have nutritionists. Like I did, I lived in the weight room. I was one of the few guys that lived, that did that back then. Now everybody does it. So now, tell me about. How close did you guys ever come to winning a championship when you in your in your time with Green Bay? Uh, there's two stories. We in, in '82 it was a strike shortened season, so we went. We played the Cardinals in the first game and beat them 46 to 14 or something. And then we played the Cowboys and lost 35 20, 34 26. So we didn't. 
we didn't go when I was with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But we did also, the first year of my rookie year was the last year that they only played 14 games, which is, you think that it wasn't that long ago. But we finished 4-10. and 10. The next year, all we had to do was the Giants to lose, to not lose their last game. And we're in the playoffs, and we knocked the Eagles out. Well, the Giants are playing the Eagles, and you may not, you may remember this, you may not remember because it was definitely before your time. But the Giants are just running out the clock. So instead of just taking a knee like any idiot would do, mm. they hand off to Larry Zonka, who fumbles the ball, and Herm Edwards picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown and knocks us out of the playoffs. Two great guys and in the was, game. And then my last year with uh, with uh, Minnesota, then again it was a strike short in the season. But we we were the wild card team. We went down and uh, were favored to lose to New Orleans. We beat them forty one seventeen. Then we went out the coast with uh, Montana and all those guys, and I think we were eight point underdogs. We beat them thirty six to ten or something. So the only game I remember with Montana getting benched for Steve Young. And then we lost to the Redskins in the NFC Championship game, which Garcia had been traded to him. So my best friend was playing for the Redskins. We're both wearing the same number then, number 68, which was my number. And then he got to go. He got a Super Bowl, and I didn't. That's crazy how it is, isn't it, how it works? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it just like I said, it just shows you how many great players have never been to a Super Bowl. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And like you said, I mean, look at the guys that you went up, you went up against. Like you said, in the Giants, you had Herm Edwards, who's still around coaching, even though it's college. He was all them years playing in the NFL, like like you said, and then he coached in the NFL. And Zonka, who was also a coach as well, and then went on to broadcasting. I mean, and those guys never won a championship. So, you're right. Zonka won a Super Bowl. Did he? Yeah, in 74, they played here in Houston at Rice Stadium, and they beat Minnesota. Okay. I... Zonka won one. Okay. Marino, okay. Never, Marino never won Mar- one. Yeah, Marino never won one. I, ju- I thought Zonka was – I know Zonka was a part of the team where they went the undefeated. I know I, – I remember that. Right. That's 72. Nice. We're talking about 78 now. Yeah. So he was starting to get his, his – uh, Career. So tell me now, I'm if I'm seeing this correct, uh, what do you remember about the '82 season? Because it's saying right here, you guys had one of the great offenses in history when you amassed over six thousand yards. What What do you remember about that year as an offense? Uh, you didn't want to play. That was a funny thing. We were a Jekyll and Hyde team. We were ranked probably in the top six for like four years in a row in, in total offense. Ranked dead last in total defense. So I know you, you mentioned 82. We went to playoffs in 83. We went eight and eight. But we also, I think we tied the league record for overtime games. We played five. Mm. Five overtime games. That's. That's that's unheard of today. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we just 
It was a tale of two teams. I mean, we had Lynn Dickey, one of the best long ball. We had two all-pro receivers in John Jefferson and James Lofton. We had an all-pro pro tight end in Paul Kaufman. We had good running backs in Gary Ellis and uh, Eddie Lee Ivory. And we had a good offensive line. And so we could put points up. But we opened up in 83. We beat the Oilers 41-38 in overtime. We in '83 we played the uh, Redskins, the defending Super Bowl Redskins, beat them 48-47. Mark Mosley missed a 36-yard field goal. It's here. They would have beat us 50 to 48. We played the Atlanta Falcons. They beat us 46-42 in overtime. And it was just a weird year. We 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 probably we end up going eight and eight. If we hadn't had all those overtime games, I think we would have been like 12 and four. So. What so overall? What do you think just went on in that year? Do you think it was just because defense was just giving up too many yards? Why you guys couldn't have done any better? What was the? Because like you said, you had a splendid offense, splendid offense that year. You just don't think you just think it was just the defense that had all the problems. That well, we lost our starting in that Oiler game that I talked about. We lost our starting nose man and his backup. Oh, one tore his Achilles and one blew his ACL out. And so we were a week up the middle of the rest of the year. I mean, you can try to find guys on the, on the street, but it just doesn't, there's not that many defensive linemen walking around down the field. Right. Or down the field. So that's what happened to us. That was more bad luck than anything. And the years before that, uh, we did not have a very competent front office like they have now. The front office was horrible. It was more about, it was really about making money. We signed, we drafted Bruce Carter, number one out of Penn State. He goes to Canada. Uh, one of our best teams, Mike Butler, they let him go to the USFL. So we just, we let all our linemen go. You win, you win a football game in the trenches. I mean, you might, you might have these great Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and all that, but if you can't get that ball off, Good luck. Or you can't you can't set up a running game to set up that passing game. Good luck. So uh, the team was not a well managed team, and they certainly didn't like you saying it because I came out and said it, mm-hmm. and then the next year I was in Miami. So that shows you how fast they listen to outside opinions. Right. Right. Yeah. They traded you very quickly after that. <laughs> but I gotta ask you now, you since you brought up the USFL, did you feel like there was competition with the NFL since you played in the NFL? Do you feel like there was competition, or did you felt like, nah, this is just a weak competition? They're just minors; they ain't going to compete with the NFL. What 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 did you think of the USFL? I like the USFL. I mean, Jim Kelly went there, Reggie White went there. Uh, Steve Young went there. A lot of good players that went there and they played some quality football. And, you know, they, we had a team right here, the Houston Gamblers, that Kelly played for. I'd go see them in the offseason in Houston. But, you know, they tried to move it to a fall league and that didn't work. Uh, and I don't think it'll ever get more than a developmental league because the NFL is just too powerful a monster. I mean, it eats up everything in its path. It's got too much money. It can outbuy anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you think, you, you, people always go, how do they pay these guys this much money? And, you know, where does this money come from? T- their television contracts pays for everything. 
Yep. So when you're talking about programs and $8 beers and parking spaces, that's all just pure gravy in the NFL team's pocket. So that's why, you know, down here in Houston, where there were some points we had some pretty good teams, but you talk about mismanagement. I mean, it's almost criminal the way they mismanaged the team here in Houston. And the people started not showing up for games, and that's the only way you're going to get them is hit them in their pocketbook. Yeah. And if they're not going to try to get anybody for a head coach better than David Cully, that just tells you they're just sucking it up, you know, to ride out this rebuild. And I don't, I don't know what that tells us, Jesus, to take it over. I mean, we don't care. We don't have to. Yeah, now now that you brought that up, I hate to bring this up, but that's another issue now going on in the NFL. I got to ask you about, I'm sure you've heard about it. What's your take on that? The whole, I mean, it blows my mind that that, I, I mean, I know of tanking, all sports do it, but for, I mean, this is absurd. Like, you're not going to tell your white counterpart to, if there is, let them come out and say it, but the owner flat out if this is true he needs to he needs to uh first go to jail because that's part of the new act or something gambling act that that he violated and two he needs to really sell the team don't you think if that is true what this coach is saying tell me exactly what was said by who brian flores the former uh the former miami dolphins coach in the lawsuit. I, I think I think that's who the Texans are going to hire as their head coach. He's still going. He's still going to go along with the lawsuit if they do. If he said if he gets a job, he's still going to go with the lawsuit. I understand that, but let me ask you this: Why would Brian Flores want the Houston Texans job? He just came out of a rebuild in Miami. Why would you want to go to another rebuild that doesn't have a quarterback? I mean, Davis is okay, but he's not Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson will never play another down no, for the I Houston know. Tech. I know. And, and it's a, they, they have very little talent. So why would Brian Flores come here? I mean, I, mean, I just asked myself that. You know, because he just came out of that horrible situation in Miami where really he probably should have got an extension for what he did over that's there. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So if, that's why I'm asking you, yeah, I know you heard about it. So if you think if that is indeed true, what he's stating is happened to him where he got, if he tanked a 1,000, he would get a 1,000 a game if he lost for better draft picks. Don't you think Ross, the owner, should sell the team and get arrested for – the new gambling act that's going out there. Uh, something's got to happen with Ross if this is true, don't you think? What he did, claiming, well, claiming okay. to. If that's true, as, you know, I'm also a lawyer, so if that's true, yeah, he's got some criminal charges coming his way. But you can't turn that over into teams tanking on a regular basis because teams aren't not only going to tank, they're going to arrest guys in certain key areas. And some people say, oh, well, they're not playing them because. It's just the playoffs. So, yeah, you're being an idiot not to do it that way. So, yeah, but there's times that you see players that, you know, this is what I want most fans to remember, is that when they look at a football team, you're looking at 53 individual corporations. Yeah, Those guys make as much money in as little time as they can because the average career in the NFL is three years. Right. So those guys are trying to – and don't say – Oh, that's ridiculous because you do the same thing if you're in that situation. Yeah. And and all that were there, you know, we just look, 
I wanted. When I first got there, I want to play five years. And then about three years in, I go, man, how do guys ever make it to five? And then, you know, I'm getting 12 years. I'm going, this is a long time to play. And Brady just played, what, 22, 22 years? 22, yeah. Yeah. So, and we weren't making the money those guys were making. So we did it out of love. We did it out of respect for the coaches. We did it. It was just a, I'm not saying it was a better time. It was a different time. And I don't think you can compare eras. I mean, I don't even take a quarterback like Terry Bradshaw comparing to today's quarterback because they ran so much with, the, you know, Franco Harris and yeah. Rocky Blyer and everybody like that. You know, today, they almost use the pass set up the run where what used to be you use the run set up the pass. But one thing has never changed. You win championship with defense. That's never going to change. And I'm an offensive player, and I say that because I've played on some really horrible I wanted to use an expletive there were some horrible defensive teams. Yeah. And and number two, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say other than championship that, you know, you win championships with defense. And I know we were talking some about the offense, but I can't remember what it was. It's all good. But I got to ask you now, too, um, your division, when you played, how rough and tough was it? Because I believe you still had Chicago in your division. Who else did you have in your division? Did you have Minnesota in the Lions? We had everybody, everybody there except the addition of Tampa Bay. We had five teams in our division. So then when they went to four teams in every division, Tampa Bay was pulled out. So we remained – it was always the black and blue division, NFC North. So we, we remained that. And – I mean, I'll tell you this. I had really no feelings toward Green Bay or anything, but when you get there, they instill in you, you hate everything that has Chicago in front of it. <laughs> so we did not like the Bears. And, of course, that's when I, of course, they had the 46 defense, and I played college ball with Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael. And those guys. So I had to listen to all that trash. So, But they, they were a hell of a defense. Well, yeah, you went up against that defense. How wicked was that defense? No, you know, it was, it was, they had a lot of talented people. I mean, when you got Singletary and uh, Wilbur Osborne and Otis Taylor, or not Otis, what was Otis? But they, they had a lot of talent. They had the Fridge and Mongo and Dan Hampton. They had a lot of talent, but also that they also had a new wrinkle that nobody had seen before. Where you put two linebackers over the tight end, and then you cover the guard, center, guard. That was a big deal back then because guards and centers used to have help from the guys around them. Now they were kind of on an island, pass blocking. Yeah. And it was a smart way to do it. So I mean, I get, I, I get, I don't give Buddy Ryan credit for a lot because I can't, I couldn't stand a little fat turn, but. Uh, he was a pretty good defense coordinator. So you played overall 159 games. You made it into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Uh, what does that mean to you being inducted into their Hall of Fame? Even though you, even though you might not make it into the Hall of Fame, even though you should, because honestly, a lineman, they, they need to have more respect for linemen. They need to make them into the Hall of Fame easy, but that's beyond the issue there. But what was that? How did that feel to you to make it into the Packers Hall of Fame? Oh, it was a uh, it was an amazing event because we didn't go to a lot of playoff games. 
And so I didn't, I didn't know if that would happen, if that would hurt me or anything or not. But you know, when I, when I left Green Bay, I had started in my position longer than any other player in the league, except one guy. And I think was, was Henry's last name, office tackle, another office tackle for the Raiders. And, and uh, so, yeah, I was very proud of that. My whole NFL career, I only missed two games because of injury. I mean, if you can walk, you can play. And I had some great – I made some great friends and teammates. And, you know, really, what do you want out of this other than having great friends and teammates that will take care of you and be by your side whenever you need them there? So, yeah, and then I get to talk to guys like you, you know, and I, and I really enjoy doing this as well, having you after all these years – well, I uh, well, I've had three. What I say, people ask me what I did. I said I had three great careers. I played pro football. Then I would practice law for 19 years, and then I had a sports radio talk show here in Houston for eight years. It's still going. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, some of the bad things from football: 15 operations. I have Parkinson's disease because of the NFL. Uh, I've got a very bad bat because of the NFL, but would I do it over again? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. Oh, I know you wouldn't because that's what you ultimately loved and wanted to do with your career was play football. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I went to this, uh, it was a medical clinic for NFL players and they did a complete workup and everything. And every guy I saw walk in there was limping. So the guy next to me, I said, hey, do me a favor, watch me when I walk. And I said, do I limp? And he goes, yeah, you limp. We all limp. And I, I was asking my radio partner, uh, Indy Kalu, who played defensive end for the Eagles and the Texans. I said, when's the last time you felt good? He goes, seventh grade. <laughs> I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So I... Now tell me if this is true. What I'm seeing, I want I want to get your take on this. Explain to me, okay? Because I'm I'm a big wrestling fan, okay? Yeah. Okay. I think you know where I'm going with this. So yes. apparently, you lost a drinking battle with Lawrence Froll, better known as yeah, very full. Yeah, better known as Lex Luger in the wrestling world. God bless him. I know he's in a wheelchair now, handicapped. But I guess, I guess apparently you lost a drinking battle. What 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 went on there? What happened? What what was that all about? It lasted fifteen hours. What what? Take us through this. What 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 happened? What exactly? You got sure it says point? I lost. You sure says I lost. Yeah. It's hard to be blaming the They said you well, lost. Well, Larry Larry was a guy from Pennsylvania that went to Penn State and he got kicked off the team for fighting. So he went to Miami. He got kicked off the team for fighting. Mm-hmm. And so he was having a hard time finding a college to open the door. So he went to the Canadian Football League. They were they were taking, you know, juniors back then. Mm-hmm. So he played up there, I guess, a Packers Scout sign because the guy looks like a great guy. I mean, if you guys remember Lex oh, yeah, Luger. He was big. Yeah, he was huge. But see, he couldn't out bench me. That was a big deal because I always had the record for the Packer bench press, and he couldn't out bench me. So we we always give each other because he goes, "Yeah, but you don't look like this." I go, I "Don't have to," because I can do that. And then uh, it was the same Patrick's Day, and he and I were out together. And the next thing we got, I said, "Well, not only can I outlift you, I can out drink you." <laughs> and the rest is history. I will say though that uh, if you're going to go out on 
St. Patrick's Day, realize that they put green dye in everything. Because the first time you go to the bathroom, you'll rush to the emergency room thinking that your insides are turning to mess because it's just solid green. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So uh, after that, did you, did you establish a relationship with him? Did you ever you still talk to him to this day? Or? Yeah. yeah. We, had him, we had him on the show a couple of times. And like you said, you know, he had a stroke and He's, he's changed his life quite a bit and it's for the better big guy I love him like a brother and uh, I'm sorry to see the things that are happening but he seems to be handling them okay now so I just wish him the best of luck same same don't wish that upon anybody so yeah you spent two seasons like you said after being tra- uh, after being traded or I, or were you released I can't remember you were you released to go to uh, released released okay so you spent two years in Miami in 86 and nine uh, in 87 what do you remember most about your time in Miami besides that drinking battle <laughs> what was your time like there Green Bay because he was actually they, he was actually on Indian Reserve in Green Bay, they thought they could make a player out of him, and he just was too hyper. Mm-hmm. Larry couldn't settle down. Uh, the years in Miami, I just remembered because I had been pass blocking for Lynn Dickey, and Lynn Dickey couldn't run a forty-yard dash of five-five off a cliff. Maybe he was not very mobile, and so the pass block for that guy, it was like night and day to get with with uh, Marina because Marina, that's one, two, three, boom, that ball's gone. He has got the quickest release I've ever seen. But again, they had gone to the AFC playoffs game, I think, the year before, but they lost because their defense was horrible. And I didn't, I, I just wanted to play for Shula because I was going to come and back play for the Oilers. And then Shula called me directly and said, Man, get on a plane here. And I said, You got it, coach. And so I went. But yeah, I wanted to play for him. Probably the smartest football coach I've ever been around. Just brilliant mind. I can tell you what all 22 guys need to be doing on a particular play. So who was better to work with, Shula or Marino? Because you dealt with Marino, played with him early in his career. So who was better, Shula or him? Well, look, when you talk about... I'll ask you a trivia question. Okay, go ahead. Tell me, tell me four guys who have lost four Super Bowls. Tell me three. Okay. Um, is Jim Kelly one? No. I'm talking about coach, head coaches. Oh, head coaches. Okay, head coaches. Um, You'd be right staying with the Kelly. You stump, you, you stump me. I don't know about coaches. I know about players, but coaches I don't know. Mark lost four with Buffalo. Okay. Bud Grant lost four with the Vikings. Okay. And Don Shula lost four. He lost two with the Colts and two with the Dolphins. Okay. I knew about the two with the Dolphins. I didn't know about the Vikings. Yeah, he was one of the youngest head coaches ever when he went to the Baltimore Colts. So when you say which one was better, they had two different functions. Uh, probably at his craft. I mean, Marino was one of the best that had ever played. And uh, Shula was a hell of a head coach. Yeah, if I, I mean, it's hard for me not to go with the player, so I'm going to go with Marino here. But, you know, everybody's, they're still talking about that in New England. 
They are. I know. I know. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I think they make each other. You know, they just certain things click when two guys get together that works like they they work magic where nobody else can work magic like that. So yeah, I think that's what happened with them. And uh, hey, anybody that doesn't think Belichick's still a great coach, you're nuts. You no, know, I agree. I agree with you on that. So, what 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 do you ultimately think went wrong with Marino? Why do you think he couldn't win the Super Bowl? Because that's what eluded him. A lot of people say he's one of the best quarterbacks that was in the nineties, eighty. Wait, sorry, late eighties and nineties before he retired. Right. I think in two thousand, I think it was ninety nine or two thousand before he retired. A lot of people said he was the best quarterback of that era, which which is true. I mean, I did see a lot of his games. He he looked it. What what? Why do you think he couldn't win the big one? He could win the big one. The problem is, is that what do you always hear football is? It's the greatest blank sport ever. Team sport. It's a team sport. I mean, if 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 he'd had any kind of defense. If we'd had any kind of defense on those Packer teams I had, where you just slowed them down, where you just made them skip a beat and not score every time we scored, because we were averaging 47 points a game. But they were right there with us. So it's, it's a team sport, and people have got to remember that. I mean, a quarterback can only do so much. That's true. I mean, if I can remember, he only had two good, well, in the 90s he did. He had two good defensive uh, the def- def- defensive guys that I can remember: Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, um, Jason Taylor, and uh, what was that? Pat Sertan. Those are the only three defense I remember he had. Other than that, I don't even know who was I think on. Two dreams already gone there. So huh? yeah, but he didn't have many good offensive players, defensive players. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. That I can remember. Like I said, those are the only three I can remember from the '90s era. <laughs> right. Well, tell me, tell me one all pro from the Packers in the '80s you can remember. Uh, good, good point. Um, Reggie White. He wasn't there in the '80s. Nobody was there. Yeah, in the he, 90s. he might have been there in the late '80s. He was in the late '80s, but for sure, because I think he got traded from. Yeah. I think he got traded. What was he? I think the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. You got seventeen million to go to Green Bay. Yeah, and I and you know what? When when uh, JJ Watt came in, Indy Clue played his position. And he goes, you know, he had three MVPs. And he goes, that's the greatest defensive end I've ever seen. I go, no, it's not. I go, you played I go, you played with Reggie White. Reggie White's better than JJ White. You also played with Bruce Smith, who has two hundred count them, two hundred sacks. Yeah. JJ's had three MVP and he's got hundred and two or something like that, because he's been hurt. So not only was Bruce Smith a great pass rusher, but he's also durable. What do you want from your players? You want them out there on the field every every game that's gonna be started. So yeah, and, and he finally apologized to me. He said, "You know, you were right." Because you know, time hurts everybody. You know, you're and, right. And some, I think it's so unfair. Like when Oliver Luck or Andrew Luck came out and said, "This is the best quarterback for 50 years." Who can live up to that? He right. can't live up to that. Right. And he was a great quarterback. But to 
put all that on a kid coming out nowadays, it's just too much because you got a camera in your face. I mean, when I played pro football, there are eight cameras following the game. Now there's 34 cameras yeah, there's following the game. All over the place, yeah. yeah. You're not the only uh, one that has said that. Shannon Sharp, who's been, who was a 90s player, has also said that too. He said that as well. There's a lot more cameras today than what they had in the 90s as well. So, a lot. So, he says that all the time, and I believe it. There's a lot more, so they're all over the place. You're going to see fights. You're going to see people spitting on each other. I mean, you'll you'll see you'll see it all. <laughs> well, I mean, who who would have ever thought when I was playing that somebody would do what Antonio Brown did? Very true, and get away with it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. They would have locked the locker room door and said, find your own way home, man. Yeah. Or he would guess he was in Tampa, so it didn't matter. But they would, they would not put up with that stuff. And no, it was I different. Agree. And you know what? A lot of times the veterans wouldn't put up with that stuff. Right, I, I agree. You you played in a different era than what it is today. If, today, if you're a good player, they don't care. They don't care if you act out. Yeah, they hate it, but they don't do anything about it. They hate it, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, we had a guy in Green Bay that did a little dance whenever he had a tackle or something. And Paul Kaufman and I pulled him aside and said, look, if we're down 10 to 14 points, don't do your little dance. You just look stupid. And the guy kind of bucked up and I said, well, you want to buck up? You're going to look stupid twice. Yeah. But, uh, no, you just don't do that. I'm all for celebrating. Look, I get Gasno got a sack on me. You want to do his little dance? He deserves it. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm all, guys, I'm all for those guys jumping in the stands and being a crowd experience. But all this stuff with, you know, taking phones out and choreographing everything, just act like you've been there before. Right. I know. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, so now I got to ask you, you spent nine years in the league. Any players that you... Okay, sorry, 11 years. My bad. <laughs> Any players that you played for that you think deserve a shot to be in the Hall of Fame that have not been in the Hall of Fame yet? That, need, oh, okay. that have been snubbed. I can't believe you asked that because I was thinking about that on the way over. There's a guy that I played against, and he's a friend of mine only through playing against him because I respect the guy so much. Mm -hmm. He made all pro at nose man. He made all pro at defensive tackle, and he made all pro at... Uh, right defensive end. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Trying to think. I think I know. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of his name. Played for the Jets. Joe Klecko. Oh, Joe okay. Klecko okay. Yep. is one of the strongest human beings you ever met. I just country strength, you know. They're unbelievably athletic, and he should, he should without a doubt be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he doesn't get a sniff. I think because he had some kind of white-collar problem. I don't know if it was legal or not, but there's the guy. If anybody should be in the Hall of Fame, it's him. Anybody else, or is he? Is he it? No, there's a, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I think our center, Larry McCarron, could be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Uh, I, you know, just off the top of my head, I'd have to go through guys and tell you whether I think they belonged or not. But there's about, a lot of guys. What about yourself? That, what about yourself? Um, no. Uh, to me, if you're in the – I'm in three Hall of Fames, okay? I'm in the University of Arkansas Hall of Fame. I'm in the – I got my letter retired at my school. 
I'm in the state of Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm in the Packers Hall of Fame. That's good for me. I mean, to me, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have to have multiple, not just uh, Pro Bowl years, but all Pro years. Right. And, you know, I was only an alternate twice, and I, I, I made second team all Pro one year, and that was it. So I really don't have the medals, so to speak, of what you wear into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I played against most of those guys, and I can tell you this, they respect me because mm-hmm. we had a mutual respect. I mean, I never remember getting run over by anybody or anybody, but I never want to play in the game. Uh, but no, I, that's, that's a, those are hallowed grounds. And you asked me before where I thought about being in the Pack Hall of Fame. That's what it was. If you go into the Green Bay Pack Hall of Fame, if you ever visit Green Bay, and you see, or just pull it up on Google, I think there's only like 150 players. You know, they started in 1903. Yeah. But it's like a who's who of who's in the regular Hall of Fame. I mean, you got Jerry Kramer, you know, you got Bart Starr, you got all those Packer guys. You're going to have Brett Favre. And, I mean, there's just going to be so many guys that are going to be there from my years in the Packers. And it was kind of a deal where I overlap. Came at the end of all the Lombardi guys leaving, and then came, I was leaving when uh, Brett Farm and all them were coming. And so we kind of overlapped, and in golf tournaments, things like that, you get to know everybody, mm-hmm. and we're all good friends. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, football Hall of Fame, but he's also. And so am I, so I feel pretty good about that. So how often, since you since you say you do live in Houston and you have a gig there... Did I lose you? No, no, I... I Hello? I, I still hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, okay. Lost you there for a second. Lost you there. You were frozen. I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. Okay, perfect. Now that we're back. So as I was saying, since you live in Houston, you have a radio gig in Houston. How often is it that you ever get to go back up to Green Bay to see the to see the games? Do you get to go up there and watch every home game? How often do you go back up there to watch a game? I try to go once a year and see it. The Packers are unbelievable the way they treat their alumni and that they keep open a suite. And if you're in town, you call them. And if there's room in that suite, you can go to the game for free. So I, I try to let them know, you know, in advance what game I'm going to come up to and things like that. But I try to make one game a year. And I, and as far as the radio gig, I just retired, you know, with the Parkinson's. The doctor says, if I want to travel, I need to do it now. And hopefully these COVID restrictions will stop because, unfortunately, he says at some point I will need assistance to walking because there's just no cure for Parkinson's right now. But uh who knows? You know, Michael J. Fox got it when he was That's 29 years old. There's a cure, yeah. So, There's a cure yeah. out there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Not yet, but there is somewhere. Who knows? Hopefully it comes out. Better than not you get it other than, you know, being part of that NFL lawsuit. Uh, the NFL is only paying about 4% of the dementia type I things. I heard. Yeah, they need, to be, they need to pay more. Yeah, I know. They need... But if you have Lou Gehrig's disease or Parkinson's or full-blown dementia where you don't know who you are, they're paying those pretty quick. So I was paid pretty 
quickly. They don't have, I don't know, you know, who's to say what's enough when you have to alter your lifestyle. When I got through playing, when I got through with my radio gig, I wanted to ride my Harley. I wanted to drink beer. I wanted to play golf. I wanted to do a lot of different things. Uh, lift weights. And I can't do any of those now because of Parkinson's right. disease. Right. So I don't know if it's worth it or not, but, uh, and people always seem funny when they when they ask me if I'd do it again, but I would. It was it was just so much fun. And you know, when you were a kid back then, it wasn't like kids today. Kids today, when they're seven, I want to be a pro football player. I just wanted to start in high school. But you know, that was what we thought about it. And then we were in practice in Arkansas one day, and Coach Wilson, that guy over there, is looking at both the eyes. A scout from Cincinnati. And I go, "What? The NFL is looking at us? We're just two skinny white kids." And uh, it just shocked the hell out of me. And you just, and you know, the funny thing is, you just start over again. First, you're a freshman in high school, and you work up to you as kind of a stud senior. Then you go to college, you're a freshman again, and you're nobody, and you work your stuff over your senior. Then you go to the pros, and you're a rookie, and nobody wants you in their locker room, wants to talk to you. And then you work your way up to where you're one of the old veterans. Yeah, it's a weird game. It's a weird game, but it's fun. So, a couple more questions. We got eight minutes left before uh, we call it a night. Because I know it's getting late over where you're at, too. So, um, the first one is, we, we briefly got into it earlier about college sports. You played, you played in an era, and just like the other era of the 90s as well, 80s, 90s, 2000s, played in an era of where college athletes did not get paid did not get in the transfer portal, which means they did not get paid. Do you like where it's going now to where players actually do get to get paid if they choose to use this as a career? I have very mixed emotions about it because I, we all felt like we were getting paid. I mean, that really, the reason you got paid your scholarship to go to school, that wasn't cheap. Right. I mean, I could have gone to West Point. I could have gone to Harvard. I could have, I, could have, I got recruited by all of them. Right. Uh, I mean, my dad, of course, was hoping that's where I would go. But I was also thinking, but I want to be on TV and watch and win some football games. That's why I came down to Oklahoma and Arkansas for me because they were both powerhouses back then. Right. Uh, but do I think players ought to be paid? I think if a guy comes to school, and this happened to Switzer a lot, which is why a lot of people don't understand why he got put on probation. You guys who come to school, to college, have one pair of pants. I mean, you know, you're recruiting these guys out of some pretty small towns in Oklahoma or East Texas or somewhere like that, and they don't have a lot. And so when they go to school, if they only have one pair of pants, Switzer go out and buy them some pants and some clothes. And I don't see anything wrong with that. And if they're going to punish a coach for doing that, then hell yeah, pay these players and let them – we had guys in Arkansas that couldn't go home for Christmas because they didn't have a way to get there and their family couldn't come get them. So they just spent it by themselves. Usually, you know, you try to ask one or two to come home with you or something, but they, they would sometimes be too embarrassed. So, yeah, I mean, uh, am, am, am I for paying these guys? Yeah, I mean, I saw Texas have paid all their offensive linemen $50,000 to stay out of the transfer portal. I don't know. There's, to me, there's something about loyalty and how good is your word when you shake a guy's hand. I don't know if that's really discussed anymore. 
Because it seems like a lot of these guys to me are mostly quarterbacks. Yeah. They get to a place and if they don't start immediately, oh well, don't 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 make me work harder or make myself yeah, work go, harder. Yeah. If they don't start, yeah, they want to go right to the transfer portal. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that I don't understand. Because once you quit something, it gets easier and easier to quit. Yeah, you're right. And last question is, we got four minutes left. Last question is, do you believe it's, I know it's tough. Hell, it's for me to tough because it's so many different errors. But do you believe that Tom Brady is the GOAT? No. <laughs> I don't think he's the good. That's what I say. It's tough. It's tough because there's so many different eras. I don't. I mean, it's tough. You know, I think some of the things that Favre did. I, I think some of the things that Peyton did. I think some of the things that uh, Johnny Unitas did. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's tough. Go it goes by era. Yeah. It's very tough. Now I think what he and Belichick did together. It is absolutely amazing. I don't think that'll ever be replicated. No. Because you just can't keep the same 45 guys on the field like you did before. Even Belichick was struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, let me tell you something. If he's not, if he's not number one, the other guy's sending him Valentine's. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> the guy that comes to mind is Johnny U and how great everybody thought he was. And, and there's some great quarterbacks in the league right now, but they didn't have Belichick as a coach. I mean, you look at Brady, just Google his combine picture. I know. See he the, was fat. He was fat. Yeah. His combine picture. Look at the way, the way he is, he's changed his body physically. Uh, and you got to get, you know, the biggest part of work a quarterback does is not on the field, it's off the field. Yeah. It's watching and reading defenses and things like that. And he seems to be able to, he, he probably did that with the best and hired nutritionist because of his wife. I don't care why he did it, but he had one of his best years last year. I mean, if he came back, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I wouldn't surprise, I wouldn't be surprised if he were successful again. Exactly. Exactly. So we got a minute and a half with you. Will quick bonus. Define your career in one word. What would you say? What would you say it was? Uh, determined. Perfect. Couldn't have said anything better. Uh, I was not going to be off the field. You have to pull me screaming off the field. Uh, and I was going to give you everything I had every time I was on the field. And I, I went out with an old offensive line coach the other day from Green Bay. He had some cancer, so he was here in Houston. And he said, you know, the best thing I can tell you, he says, you're one of the three toughest players I ever coached. And he coached for 45 years. So that was as big a, that was as big a compliment he could pay me. There you go. I couldn't have said it any better. It was fun. Thank you for your time. You're more than welcome to come on as many times as you want. I got your contact info. I'll send you the episode so you can share it. And it was fun. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Good luck in the future. Yep. Same to you. Same to you. You have a, you have a good night, all right? Be safe. You do the same. All right. Bye.
arrangements are of Tennessee. Elena and Tennessee step in really, really, really Greg Coke, everybody. Great conversation. This concludes episode whatever it is, uh, 76, 77. I don't know. I'm sorry. I lost track. So many. But y'all have a good night. I'll be on tomorrow night with former UFC fighter Ian McCall. Until then, y'all have a good night.